It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Welcome so so much. I'm just so glad you're here listening and tuning into Counterculture. Yes, I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Hey, I got a spring in my step today. Life's good. The sun is shining. And in front of me, I have Doug and Leslie Reprogal. Good job. Did I get that right? You got it so well. Sounds it just good. flows off the tongue. I've, I've read it a lot. But I don't think I've actually said your name out loud, and it, it just but it rolls off the tongue. Right. Delightful people. I I have like a super cool job because I get to meet like the best people in town, wow. and I get to invite them to my show, <laughs> and I don't have to pay them more than five thousand dollars just to walk in here. So it's so that all we're making. That's <laughs> sorry, I didn't. I should have had you read the small print, but it really basically, <laughs> and it all goes into my slush fund in Bermuda too. Right. So uh, you you'll get it in twenty five years. Um, <laughs> If you don't die. <laughs> so, but, oh, you know, but counterculture, we focus on really the heroes that we, I call them the bridge builders. The people who are build, helping are building bridges between, uh, between two places that are maybe falling apart or two places that are divided. The, where are the divides in our culture? And that might be places where just there's just division. And so we need peacemaking. So we uh, those are the bridge builders of peace. Or maybe there's a gap between a group, maybe the church and uh, this uh, another group of people in need, the homeless or the or the or foster care or something. There's a gap there, and we there are people who need to bridge and stand in that gap. Or maybe in our culture, we're just divided, and we want people who are going to help build up culture. So that's I, the people I get to seek out, find, and highlight, and uh, that's why I love what I do. So. Enough about me, That enough about this show. I want to hear about you guys, Doug and Leslie. Doug and Leslie are the founded Agape Adoption Agency of Arizona in 2005 after Leslie returned from a missions trip to Haiti with an intense desire to meet the needs of undeserved children. I have not been to Haiti, but is it? Uh, but it's – I've been next to it, Dominican Republic, very different mm-hmm. culture, same island totally different culture, but I've known so much about Haiti. Must have been an amazing – look forward to hearing about that. Agape started with three families and has since served hundreds of foster and adoptive families and placed more than 1,000 foster and adopted children. So the Repogals are proud parents to two biological and two adopted children. Doug, thank you for joining me. (laughs) We're so happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Oh, so – Oh, absolutely. This is a treat of mine. So before we get into f- learning about agape, we do our little game. It's called fake news. So fake news, as I think I told you the rules of this, you're ready for this, to something true, something not true. And I try to guess in, in, any, no, in any particular order, I try to guess. So Leslie, do you want to start? Okay. I will start. And I will say that when... Doug and I started to care for foster children. Okay. It's something that we were super intentional about. We talked about it for a long time, tried to imagine what would be right for our family at that time, and then we dove in to begin helping. Okay. So is that – okay. So that's one thing. What's the, so it sounds like that's tr- something you're about yourself, but is that – I'm trying to guess which one's fake. Right. 
So did you just say two things? I, I heard one. I said okay. one thing. Okay, oh, so I get to say two. I thought I was going to say one and he was going to say one. Oh, I see. No, you say two. Oh, I say two. Or you could. Okay. Okay. Well, the second thing that you can choose to guess from is that our first date was initiated by um, an exercise, a piece of exercise equipment. And that's how we got to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, okay. See, I, I have the privilege of when someone's in the studio, I can read body language and Leslie is so into this game. She, her whole body is engaged in this game. No she's drama here. She's totally into it. And I'm going to say that the exercise equipment is fake news. Wrong. Oh, see? <laughs> totally wrong. We began fostering by accident. By we started accident. the foster care agency on purpose, but we began fostering <sighs> see? by accident. Oh, see? <laughs> I, sh- I need to quit my show. I do. I, when I think I'm, dr- I'm dropped in before 50%. <laughs> Doug, help me out. Help a brother out. Oh, man. Well, okay, here you go. Um, I purposed when I saw Leslie, that she would be my wife. Okay. Now, there is a quite an age difference. I'll just okay. throw that out there. That's one. So, true or false. The other one is, I could not wait to have more children. Okay. So, I'm going to guess the first one's true and the second one is fake news. So, you, you couldn't wait to have more children. You're exactly right. <laughs> Thank you. You read me. Yes, read I me did. Read, I read it's you. the man I thing. Feel I, it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe a dog or something else. Right, right. A starter baby, you know, like a, tri- a, a dog. So what but. Les didn't tell you is that, yes, our first date did start out as her wanting to buy a piece of exercise equipment, not being able to get it, me being available and having a truck, I was able to go pick oh, it up man with and truck. deliver it for her. Oh. So I became the delivery guy for her with, you know, um, there was no ulterior motives. However, (laughs) what she didn't tell you is that I had two teenage children. Okay. When we got married. And so children, more of them were not really on the radar for me. Okay. I thought, you know, I'm going to be 40. My children will be old. I'll be able to be, you right, know, totally. fancy it's time free. To move on. And yep. we can, you know, like we can that. just travel and play yeah. and have fun. And yep. yeah, That's what <laughs> That's I said. Right. However, God, he had a whole different plan. And, you know, he said, it's my way of the highway. So anyway, here we are. <laughs> here you are. I, like, <laughs> I really like that. So there's this background here. You don't just, someone doesn't just start an adoption agency without a story. What what's in your background prepared you for this in your and you see God's working in your history? Yeah, nothing. No, nothing. seriously. Really? Literally this was not anything that we intended to do. Um I really did want to have biological children. Okay. I really did. And I'm so thankful and humbled for the opportunity to co-parent Doug's children as they were teens and now as they're adults, you know, from from his first marriage. But I'm a cancer survivor. I'm I'm an ovarian cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. And so we just were never able to conceive. And we tried everything that you could think of. And we had actually tried to adopt and experience some failed adoptions. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had said at the encouragement of my friends who were like, you're like going bonkers. You're literally going bananas over this child thing. Like, reel it in, honey. 
And so I said, well, if I can't have children, I'm going to serve children. And that's how we ended up at uh, an orphanage in Haiti with mm. our church, mm-hmm. River of Life. And the children are so beautiful yes. and vibrant and, and lovely and appreciative. Um, and so I came back and I was on the tarmac in Florida and God spoke to me in a way that he really hasn't um, in, in any other circumstance. And he said, you're going to start an agency. Mm. And I said, that's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. (laughs) That's hilarious. You know, God sits in the heavens and laughs. Mm -hmm. And so um, because I didn't have a background in child welfare, I had a background in business. Okay. And we'd had failed adoptions and it was just icky sicky. But, you know, we always want to be obedient to God. Sure. Things happen when we obey and when we don't obey, it's (laughs) not fun. And so uh, as an act of faith, we put together um, a business plan and – then I was meeting with uh, some community leaders in the black community. I'm a black woman. And they said, you know, adoption's cool, but you should do foster care. And I said, that's ridiculous. Why would I do temporary care? I'm about permanency, dude. Yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm passionate about it. Right, right, right. So right. then I went and prayed about it. And God was like, yeah, you're going to do foster care. And I said, oh, I, good Doug, <laughs> we're, we're going to do foster care. And then um, he's like, okay, hun, we'll try. And so we got the contract with DCS. And it, it, God has just done miraculous things and given us the opportunity to help so many people. But it was total accident. I had no background in child welfare. Doug is a pastor. So he had worked with families, you know, forever. But I, I had an MBA. I was qualified to count things right. when we started the agency. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but so you bring all the cash flow, right, with your MBA. So that you're just rolling in cash in your work, right? You'd think yeah. so. No. Yeah. When she said, when we first got married, we both had pretty good jobs. You know, two or a. Wage earners, two good salaries we got to live sure. on. She said, I'm going to start the agency, which means I have to quit my job. Oh, so uh-huh. I'm like, so we're going to go from two incomes to one? And she said, yeah, but with what we have to do to start. I said, okay, if you feel that strong about it, quit your job and go, I'll go get a second job. Right. So I went and got a second job. Of course, it was at night stocking grocery shows, groceries right. Right. on the grocery sto- on the grocery shelves. And um, I said – you know, hey, if it's God's plan, it's going to work. So let's go for it. So I worked uh, midnight shift for, oh my goodness. for a year and a half while we started things rolling and got it going. And that's where we started. And uh, so, no, there was no there was no excess anything it, in those days. Isn't it funny when God leads us into something? There, it, we often think, oh, I just want God to tell us what to do. But often that means some – Pretty serious hardship, right? When we get a real clarity and it's like you're, you have God's leading to give you that confidence that you're doing the right thing, so you're willing to work extra. I've just seen that over and over again. It's yeah, like absolutely. it's so important, but that's a great story because we often think we need these resources in place and this background and child welfare, some experience in our lives that really prepares us for it. But that's not always the case. It's just not the case. No. It's especially with God. You know, it's you, you take what he gives you and you go for it. Right. And if he gave us all the details, we would probably be very reluctant. Right. That's but, true. You know, he gives us just he gives us just enough of the icing to say, hey, come, come, kid, let's try this. Let's check it out and do it. And uh, we said yes. And 15 years ago, you know, it's faithful. Right. So we have a lot of nonprofit leaders on the show, but it's, it's, it's especially interesting when we have a, a couple that, it, that leads a nonprofit. And it's only happened a couple times on the show. So what is it like leading an 
a ministry together as a couple? I mean, do you, and do you, what about taking it home? And tell me what's that like? Or maybe we need to. Well, no, it's just so you know, no one's listening. Right? No right, one cares. Right. It's okay. But just just for me, just. Well, I will say, you know. When we started dating, we worked together. We worked at the same oh, church. Okay. That's All how right. we so, met. Okay. So working together, that was you know that was great. Lunchtime, that's where we got our dates. You know, we'd right. go have lunch together, and so um, that part was good. Where the challenge come in or comes in is. Where do you stop work and where do you have family and where do you right. have personal time and all of that? And I'm not a pro. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there are lots of challenges um, involved in building something and maintaining it together. Really what Doug just said, I mean, when when we get to work, it's tempting to talk about how we have to figure out how to get the kids to do different practices in the evening. Sure, sure. Right. And then we get home and it's tempting to talk about what didn't go well, you know, in right. the training meeting or whatever. And so um, being in- intentional about doing work at work and then doing home at home is mm. something that we are still striving to yeah. perfect. So that's the hard part. But, I mean, the blessing of it is great things happen mm. in child welfare. Great things happen. And we get to see that together. We get to be on the front end of it together. When motorcycle gangs – not motorcycle gangs, but motorcycle clubs, clubs, clubs yeah, call us and just bring in – Thousands of dollars of toys, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of toys, and they ride wow. their, their bikes down the street and just start bringing things in. We get to do that together. So right. Doug doesn't have to come home and say, you'll never believe what happened to right. me today because we did it, we did it together. together. Those victories mm. um, occur with us together, and there's just it's just an incomparable joy to be able to share that. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have Doug and Leslie Rapogel here in the studio sharing about their agape ministry and their incredible work uh, with uh, helping, you know, encouraging and making fostering and adoption happen here in Arizona. Um, so right now, what is what's going on in Arizona? What's with in, with children? What's what's happening right now? When you, from your experience, so many interesting things. Um, so there's a pendulum when, you know, there's sometimes a lot of children coming into care and sometimes fewer children coming into care. And right now we appear to be on a bit of an upswing with the number of children who are coming into care. And the Department of Child Safety is doing what it can to partner um, with churches and agencies and identify more foster families. And so we're really trying to create those safe spaces and those safe homes. Um, COVID has made that challenging. Sure. It's been scary um, for mm. families to say, you know, I, I, I want to do this great thing and it might kill me, you know. Right. So that's been really scary. And then the federal government is uh, requiring some new um, – uh, the implementation of some new legislation uh, called, I think um, – Oh, the Safe Families Act. I'm probably saying it incorrect. But what that does is it gives a lot of incentives for children to be in home-based environments and not congregate care. And then I think there are also a lot of incentives to provide services for families who are not just at risk but in risk. 
Okay. Right? Like right now I'm at your building. Right. Right. Um, but I don't live in your building. And there okay. are families who are in risk, not just at risk. Okay. And so I think that for a long time we provided services and supports to the organizations and people that were taking care of the children after they were removed. Okay. And now we're seeing a larger emphasis in Arizona and across the nation in giving those supports and services to the families before Beforehand. the children yes. are removed. Yeah. And I think that's a, that is a national trend to, the, to really to focus on upstream or prevention, so dealing more with schools or before family breakdown so that early uh, engagement makes, can make a huge difference and ideally to preserve the family in, within the biological family or at least the, uh, kin, kinship. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's, an, that's, that's a great move. But that, that isn't, that's the ideal. I mean, that's, or that's a, a better outcome, but it's not, always, it's, it's not the only outcome. Other, right. There's many. And so you also then – you, how do you get foster and adoptive families? How do you do that? Huh. You get foster and adoptive families by being consistent and being faithful and being relevant and people learning who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's not a magic wand. There's no secret place to go to find a foster foster family or right. a family that could become a foster family. It's just doing the right thing day after day after day mm-hmm. so that people become familiar with us. Right. And uh, now that we've been in business for 15 years, Agape, people see that name. It means something more than it did when we first started, yeah. you know. Um, but it's putting our name out there. It's being in places like this. It's just doing that over and over mm-hmm. and over, Jonathan. Yeah. It's going to every church that would ever and will ever allow us to come and speak to congregations about foster care right. and the differences that churches and mm-hmm. Christian families can make and how everyone, not everyone, most and a lot of people can become foster families, right. even if they're not, even if they're afraid, even if they uh, think they can't. Most of them and a lot of them can. Right. And so it's just that message over and over and over right. again and uh, being there and then helping those families, showing them what it takes to become a foster family, walking with them through the process yeah. of becoming a foster family. And it's not an easy no. – I'll say this. Leslie and I, we fostered children. We have adopted children. Fostering was the hardest work we've ever done. Mm, mm. At the same time, it's the most rewarding work. Most rewarding, work yeah. I've ever been a part of. Yeah. I've been in ministry all my life for right. 37 years. Right. And the most rewarding thing I've seen, I, sh- I won't say that, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever been a part of to see foster families, families become foster families, watch them care for children, watch the changes that happen in the children and the changes that happen in those families. Right. Yeah. And that's where it's at, isn't it? Yeah. That is. I've often, I've been wrestling with this quote this week and it's like change um, moves at the speed of trust. And it's like, it seems like if we're really going to see the change uh, happen in this situation, people are going to have to learn to trust you and trust these Groups that are giving voice to this right. concern, and I think that's really really powerful. And I think you're out there faithfully being that, so learning that they can trust you. What, what's what's really going on here in Arizona? And we're just going to need we need more people to step in into this situation. And I, what's the number? What is it? Fourteen thousand. 
What's over, the number? Yeah, a little over 14,000 right now. I don't know the exact number. It yeah. changes all the time. But it's there's over 14,000 children in out-of-home care. In out-of-home care. Yeah. And there's – I don't even – what's the number for children waiting to be adopted or – or Unfortunately, I didn't bring those statistics with me. It's got to be, you know, several hundred children in Arizona who are waiting to be adopted. And what we find is that the children who are waiting to be adopted are frequently older than 11 yes. or 12. Uh-huh. They are part of a sibling group. Um, and they might have some behaviors that are challenging as a result of their history of trauma and abuse and neglect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's an important conversation that we want to have with the families in our community. Because a lot of times when people think about an adoption story, they think about the adoption of a perfectly healthy infant or a toddler. Yeah, like a but little Christmas gift that's just beautiful and exactly. nice and make happy ever after. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're the but, hero. Yeah, it, <laughs> Yeah, right. but adoption from foster care can frequently look different than that. And what we want everyone to remember is that um, when we're looking for adoptive families, we're looking for families to meet the children, the waiting children, right? right? So sometimes um, we'll we'll joke as a staff and we'll say, okay, like if I were going to buy a pair of shoes, I'd be like red, this high, you right. know, this size, and everything like that. And it's not like that when we're adopting from foster care. You can't walk into a foster right. adopt agency and go, okay, I want, you know, a male child who's half Asian, half Caucasian. He's going to weigh 67 pounds left-handed. Like you can't do right. that. Yeah, it's not a menu. It's of, not yeah. a menu. So we want to say, what are those kids that are waiting? No substitutions. And, Please. Exactly. And and what what right. strengths and skills and love and beauty do I know I have to offer that I can give to that child that mm. needs my home, my love. Mm. Yeah. I I often see the parallel. I, I used to be involved in global missions around the world and we would often encourage people to go help reach the unreached around the world. And we'd often appeal to the call of Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. But I think it applies, too, to foster and adoption. Yes. Yeah. It's a sense of, of, of open willingness to say, am I willing to whatever you want for me, Lord, send me? And it might be across the world or it might be across the street to that family or, or to that child who needs a home, who needs a parent. Absolutely. That's yeah. right. And as Doug said a couple of minutes ago, fostering and adopting is going to change us. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times we think – like you said, I'm going to be the hero and I'm going to save yes. <laughs> this little girl, yeah. right? But the truth of the matter is that little girl is going to come into our home and we're going to learn new ways of engaging with her. We're going to learn new support systems mm. that are important for her. We're going to learn what our triggers are and right. how to you know, cope with our stressors in a brand new way. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come out of it you know, stronger and more compassionate in the end. But um, that's, you know, we want our foster families like they'll say, well, this child just won't do it's the, the things that I did with my children aren't working with my foster child or the child that I adopted. And we'll go, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Because you're going to change. I mean, Doug, you had your biological children and then your foster children and our adopted children now, and it's a completely different ball of wax, right? Different, Mm -hmm. different. And there's not time today to go through the story of of how we as parents change. Right. One of these days, I'll give that testimony and share it with you. Um, But we are the ones who change. The children are the heroes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. it. They're the prize. Yeah. And God uses that mightily to sanctify us, to, sh- to really bring about our, our healing and sure. our sanctification and our holiness, our patience. Yeah. 
and we 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 want to have everything together and then go minister. But in reality, we step into ministry messy, and then that God uses that process absolutely. to heal us as well. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would say it's a it's a pass a way of discipleship. So we're just wrapping up the last just a couple minutes left. But uh, what can our listeners do after listening to this conversation? What would you want them to do if they heard this conversation? What I what I would ask people to do is inquire, mm-hmm. find out, yeah. open your heart, ask God, is there room in me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you make some space right. in my place to share love with someone else? Right. Mm-hmm. And if God will do that, then you can, because He's always has provision for the vision. Yes. And if he'll give you a little bit of desire, mm-hmm. he can open up. You may not be able to see it way down the road, but right. little by little, he can open it up. So inquire about mm. fostering, inquire about adopting mm-hmm. with an open mind and an open heart yeah. and let allow God to move in there and allow, allow him to do what he does. The other thing that people can do that is immediate help, because I said most people can adopt, most people can, most people could foster. Everybody's not going to, but someone may have an extra hundred bucks. Yeah. They may be able to give. Someone else may be willing to direct their taxes. Right. Here in Arizona, um, Agape is a qualified foster care tax credit agency. And so people can direct up to a thousand dollars if they're filing jointly or 500, um, you know, individuals through Agape's website, agapeaz.org. That was my question. You got it. This is love having you guys on the show. Love your testimony. Love seeing God work and what he's doing in you and will be continue to do through you. Thank you so much. So agapeaz.org and just love get learn more and open your heart to see what the Lord has right. for you. Thanks, Thank God. you, Doug. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Appreciate John. you both. God bless. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.